and welcome to Unhinged History, the podcast where uh, we learn about history that we didn't get to learn about in school, and we're kind of going to subject you to what we're doing now. Uh, I'm Teresa, and that's <laughs> Angie. Yep, and each time um, I make that intro up off the spot, and uh, it cracks her up, and I'm I'm not sure why I'm not changing it. I'm not, I'm not going to give her something predictable and it's not too radically different, but it's still. No, it just, it gets me every, every single time because I, it, it is, we're subjecting you to the stories we, we need to share right now. <laughs> so I don't know if your family does this, but like we, this is a household of neurodivergence and we have recognized that there are times where members of my household, including me, um, we'll just need to info dump. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that heads up and you interrupt the person info dumping, it's very rough on both of you. And yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so like, I will be with, you know, hubs and kiddo and we'll be driving her to school and she'll start talking and we'll try to inter- engage because this is a conversation. Streets go both ways. And she'll kind of stop. She go, okay, stop. Hold on. Hold on. Mom, dad, can I info dump? I have to say this to you. (laughs) And that's when we kind of go, okay. And our eyes kind of zone out only keeping enough focus so that we can pay attention to the traffic in front of us so that we don't, you know, kill everybody in the car. And she just prattles on. And then it's like, Ooh, all right. Thanks guys. Bye. Yeah. Oh, so okay. So yes, I do that. I I am the worst one of that. And the other day, I was like just little 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 like, but I didn't I didn't pre warn Ian that I had to share this. And he literally got up and walked out of the room. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I wasn't done. And he's like, well, you wouldn't stop. And I was like, oh, a heads up would have been nice. Oh, sorry about that, dude. I was telling Ian I think while I was taking the notes for the story that I I think one of my favorite things about history is how history collides with itself mm-hmm. and we as people looking back on it are like holy crap y'all existed at the same time together that's weird right like th- these th- like I guess it's because our minds are linear in in time right so we're like, oh, yeah, 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 like Marilyn Monroe existed very far away from Anne Frank. Oh. But like, okay, all that to say, neither of those women are in my story. But that's how my brain was like, wait a minute, they did not. Well, this is like when I made the connection that. Okay, so, you know, the doctor I think it's Samwise, Samwise, I can't remember his last name, but he figured out germ theory and like, hey, these midwives are delivering babies and the mothers aren't dying, but yet doctors who go like elbows deep into a cadaver and then wander back to deliver a baby, their patients are dying. Maybe we should have them wash their hands. And the doctors are like, F you, you don't get to tell me what to do. These women are proud to die by my hand. And Mm, don't think they are. But it's like, that was happening after or just before Frankenstein was written. Like, so there's like, it's like in that timeline. And if you look at like the medical advancements of the time and recognize all the things going on as Mary Shelley 
is building this whole world in her brain before she tells it as a ghost story. You're like, okay, oh, I, I don't, hmm. We like, don't want to live on this planet anymore. Yeah, like <laughs> during the time she wrote Frankenstein, they were still lopping off the the hands off of convicted criminals that had been executed and using them as candles. That's so gross. Like, obviously, there's a little bit more of the processing before you just take a hand and, you know, light it oh, on yeah, fire. Oh, yeah, thank you for clarifying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't say I have the actual book on how to do it. Like, it's not like I'm, on this bookshelf where I can just kind of. I just, each finger has a wick. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> there's a way to do it. I mean, I, I know I, I spent a time compulsively learning about that, but that was honestly a good three to five years ago. It's still gross. It doesn't make it better. No, fair, fair. <laughs> but now I can't get this. Like, you're you're. I mean, that's a good sized candle. I mean, it's your right side, right? Like, oh, I mean, but see, my candle would be very different than my husband's. I mean, my husband's would be like a damn near fruit bowl. <laughs> oh, we need both hands. <gasps> oh, how artistic! Right this season from West Elm. <laughs> It's our fall collection. <laughs> you know what though? Like you say that and I literally went to West Elm's website during the fall and I was just looking through their stuff. They like, I have, I'm just starting to get into the idea of decorating the house for seasonality, right? They had the most upscale, like serpentine dishes and like goblets with like, it was incredible. And I almost wish I had more money than sense and the storage to have, you know, seasonal drinkware. Yeah. <laughs> I feel but, that. Because it was like, I'm I'm not pretentious enough for that yet. Like, I, I got to grow into that. That's. You know what? At least you have pretentious goals. I'm here. I'm here for it. Okay. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever hit them, but it's like you see it on the horizon and you go, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's, you know. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> I'm, gonna need, I'm gonna need my husband to build me a Martha Stewart shed where I'm just like, okay, and here's where we put the seasonal. Okay, but this is only gonna work if you have a friend like Snoop Dogg. If you are a Snoop Dogg like human and wish to join this <laughs> ensemble, please email us at. <laughs> please, we are begging <gasps> you. <laughs> I am entertained by everything this man does. It's just side quests. That's all he's doing now. Like he's just having fun, right? And I am, I want every sport to be announced by him. Like, oh. the Olympics were were gold because of because yeah. of his announcing. And I could just, I need to see like chess, um, ESPN Ocho all needs to be done by him. I okay, you say this. I now want to see a mashup between Snoop Dogg and Morgan Freeman narrating things, just because. I don't know how they would play off each other, but I feel like the dissonance of their two personas would be hysterical. I feel like we need to figure out how to get this on like going because they win. So yesterday, a hard, a hard pull into a subject turn. Um, you, you told me that your story is your favorite story that mm -hmm. you've, you, you've even come up with. And you said it is, 
up there, if not surpassing the pig war. No, I didn't say surpassing. I said it's up there with the pig wars. I think I'm hoping I can do it justice as you did the pig war justice. Okay. Yeah, I mean, no, I honestly don't think anything's going to surpass the pettiness of the pig war. <laughs> I mean, it delightfully petty. <laughs> and the escalation up to like, and it's bizarre that like episode three is a moment where we both went like, oh, fantastical. Keep it going. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, um, I, I can only hope that I do the story the same justice you gave the pig war because it is so I've decided that blunders are my absolute favorite thing like blunders and pettiness could we be any dumber than we are right now when this historical event happens you know I've learned not to say that because I feel like society views it as a challenge oh I, you know I'm sh- you're right I'm sorry I take it back you're right I mean, and I think I got that idea from like an e-card that was just like, I've stopped asking my coworkers, could you get any dumber because they view it as a challenge? Society as a whole. Yeah. Okay. So I agree with you, but at least in this respect, we get to watch society from the back end be dumb while we're not involved in it. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'm here for that. I because honestly, like living through these historical events that my kids and grandkids will read about, it, it's just tiring. Oh my god, yeah, absolutely. I'll go first if you you want to go for if you want me to go first. Mine's not mine's not terribly long. It's just um, there's a lot involved. Does does that make sense? Okay, so let me let me let me break it down and recap what I'm hearing. So the story itself can be told quickly. But there's a lot of facts and things that you're going to get through that I might need to digest. Yes. That okay. was perfect. Yeah. So how about I just interrupt you nonstop like I always do and ask questions and make bizarre comments and we go from there. I'm here for it. Perfect. Um, I also need you to know that um, this week's notes are um, <clears throat> also handwritten. Do you want to see the timeline? I mean, just so everybody can see them, they're written on the back of Starbucks napkins. No, but okay, I'm joking. They're they're front and back. It is she's using cart cardstock. No, it's just like thicker paper. It's not cardstock. It's like scra- uh, sketch paper. Oh, okay. I don't like writing on lines. Before I tell you the name of my story, I'm going to tell you my sources. I think. Yeah. I say okay. this is a novel thing. I'm I'm here for it. Okay. Um, so my sources are an article in Atlas Obscura by Dan Nausowitz. Oh, oh, if that is if that's where we're going for sources, I am here. I love uh-huh. them. Me too. And this article is gold, like so much fun. Um, another article by Jennifer Duffy. She is the guide and the information officer at Dublin Castle. Oh. Um a website called cc.mcgill.ca, which I think is an educational, um, like a article where you would go for like a college article publication type thing, like a, like a library type for a school. Okay. So it's very academic, like our, okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, my idea comes from an episode of Legend Hunters that I watched in 2019 and have not been able to stop thinking about since then. <laughs> oh, this is such a beautiful lead up, Angie. I know you're welcome. <laughs> and my story is called Arthur Vickers and the Irish No Good Really Bad Day, a.k.a. the theft of the Irish crown jewels. <gasps> Please, I haven't heard a single bit of this. I am so excited because Ian was like, a lot of people know about this. And I'm like, a lot of people do not know about this. They don't even have crown jewels. And he, he was like, no, no, it's, this is a widely known thing. And I'm like, you're pulling my leg. The only reason you know about this is because I've told you about it for the last five years. <laughs> I mean, like, okay. So to be fair, last week when we talked about our stories, like I knew your story going in because I'd already compulsively researched it because of the meme that we'd sent back and forth. And you already knew most of what I was going to say. And so- it's nice to have ones that we both know oh, and then no. don't know. Like, I so know it's fun. Love it. So I have to, I actually had to, <laughs> you can't really see it very clearly. I had to write down the order. Describe of the jewels when, where. Yeah. Okay. Because it's just so chaotic that like, if you don't have a game plan going in, it just. It just spider webs all over the place. Absolutely. Everywhere. Okay. So. <laughs> the Irish crown jewels are in fact not really like crown jewels as we know them like um you know the crown the scepter the the necklace that like Queen Elizabeth wears at the coronation right um the Irish crown jewels are actually the insignia of the illustrious order of St Patrick which is like the Irish version of the order of the garter or the order of the thistle okay so um, I, cause I, I've heard about both of these before, but never really thought about it until I was like, what is the order of St. Patrick? Like I have questions now, but there's not a ton of information on the order of St. Patrick, but there is on the order of the garter because that is the most well-known one. And the order of the garter is basically um, to honor those who have held a public office contributed to um, society to like, to their national life and society or who have served the sovereign personally so like for me to understand that i needed to see like a modern day kate middleton was given the order of the garter for serving the queen mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so <laughs> the irish illustrious order of saint patrick is that version in ireland okay like the order of the thistle in scotland so it's the third most illustrious of the of the two of the three <laughs> whatever anyway so the crown jewels are a star covered with brazilian diamonds and an emerald trifoil which is like four leaf clover it's beautiful a ruby cross on a blue enamel background and a diamond badge as well as five golden jewel covered collars that would be worn by the knights of the order do we have any pictures? Do these still exist? Or is this okay, just so there written are record? Pictures. They're not. Um, I have yet to see any like. Obviously, colored wasn't a thing in 1905. Um, so they're they look more like sketches, but there are some black and white photos of them. So here's the thing. Once they were stolen, we've never seen them since. <gasps> no. <laughs> yeah. All 394 jewels have been missing for over 100 years. Probably never to be seen again. Wait, wait. So, wait. I'm just... 
because I've been thinking about the celebrity body parts that keep rolling through history, I'm going to operate from here on out under the assumption that they are all inheritable. We just, somebody's great uncle has them in a shoebox like they might have King Tut's scrotum that's been turned into a tobacco pouch and it's under their bed and we could inherit either one. I yeah, more likely uh they were probably broken up and split apart. I mean it's and more I'll... likely to happen with jewels than a scrotum tobacco pouch. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> and I'll tell you why, but not till till after the story's over, because once the story's over, you'll be like, oh, okay. I could see how I see how I splitting them up makes sense. Um <clears throat> so I'm gonna give you the where. Dublin Castle in Ireland was the they were originally so okay I got to get this right because it's a whole name that I keep jacking up Ulster King of Arms okay the office of the Ulster King of Arms used to be situated in Birmingham Tower in Dublin Castle however in 1901 when Mr. Arthur Vickers assumes the position of the Ulster King of Arms he decides to have the his offices move to Bedford Tower, also situated in Dublin Castle. Dublin Castle is a riot, and I'm going to tell you, I actually um, VR oculus it last night because I wanted to know if we could actually see the library where the safe was stored. Wait, wait. So let me let me zoom out and like get clarification. You have a VR headset, mm-hmm. and you put it on, and mm-hmm. you you virtually toured this space i virtually toured the outside of the space i could not find an inside but the outside of the space was absolutely amazing and um i'm going to continue to look because i really want to know what the interior library looked like because i think that plays a huge role in how this the jewels went missing in the first place i'm already imagining like that huge rolling book case or book (laughs) ladder in like beauty and the beast (laughs) and i'm i'm just imagining you sliding from one end of the library to the other on that thing i 100 percent would do that if i was allowed to do that yeah to me when i think of this particular library i don't think it's a ginormous library because it also served as the waiting area for mr vicker's office so i'm thinking it's more low ceilinged than um like big grand cavernous like trinity college okay yeah um but anyway (laughs) so he he decides in 1901 to have a strong room built i had to go on a little rabbit trail and find out about strong rooms because like panic rooms uh essentially yeah they're they're basically safe rooms and they have so I'm trying, I'm going to give you the dictionary.com um, write-up about them. They are basically like a strong room is a fireproof, burgle-proof room for valuables. So typically they have like at least a 10 millimeter thick steel wall, an interior ten, door. 10 and millimeter? Door. That's not very thick. 10 millimeter, 10. It's not 10 that's, meters. That's this big. Well, whatever it, whatever it is to be fireproof. Centimeter? Maybe. Ten centimeters? Because millimeter is literally this big. Like, you would get a 10 millimeter ring and it wouldn't eat... Like, it would be like yeah, a thick so not band. Millimeters. So not millimeters. Thick enough to be fireproof. 
everybody who wall. knows the metric is like screaming at this point. I know they're probably rolling over dead right now. I'm all really sorry, five people from England who listen to this podcast <laughs> are like you dumb yanks. Sorry. <laughs> okay, but how many strips of bacon thick is it? Like fifteen. Are you talking about okay. thick cut bacon? Like fifteen thick thick cut. Bacon. See, we okay. We just got to convert it to a, a measurement that we understand. Yeah, at least fifteen slices of thick cut bacon. <laughs> okay, now I know. Now I know to fireproof my kitchen. Okay, but not with bacon. <laughs> <laughs> so it's burgle proof. It's fireproof. It's meant to store your valuables. So I mean, like you could totally use it as a panic room, but I'm not sure how you're going to get out once the door's shut. There are supposed to be two doors on the safe room. So in 1901, when uh, Arthur Vickers tells the establishment we need to build a safe room to put the safe in to keep the crown jewels. Okay, rewind like 10 seconds. Arthur Vickers hates having the job of guarding the jewels. (laughs) He hates it. The reason he's into this job is the Ulster of Arms is a genealogist um, research job. Like, he attends heraldic titles and determining for, um, like, inheritance purposes where your valuables go. Okay, so, so he's, like, part librarian, part lawyer. Part genealogist, and he is 100% in it for that. And However, his job also includes guarding crown jewels. Um, yes, and only because his office is in Dublin Castle. This is such a junk drawer role, right? <laughs> so he signs up for it because he's way into the heraldry and the genealogy, and it, that's his like life's passion. Guarding the jewels is just kind of like a meh. I hate this part, but I'm going to do it because. This is the data entry part of the role that you just have to do. Right. Um, And typically the jewels aren't stored at the castle. They're only there when they know heads of state are coming. That makes sense. This checks. Right. So they are typically stored at the jewelers and the jewelers will bring them there. Like when the king is coming or when there's going to be an investiture service by the viceroy. So they're like 90% of the year, they're not there anyway. So Arthur's like living his best life. He's like, okay, I hate these jewels. I don't have anything to do with them. But interrupting question. Yes. Because I realized when we covered Doris Payne, she robbed one of the jewelers that served the royal family. I'm wait, no, because the crown jewels in England are kept at the Tower of London, if I'm not terribly off base that seems right i'm just i'm just wondering like is this common practice for the jeweler to keep the jewels in the safe at their at their facility or is this just a um i think in this case it is because this jeweler has been caring for the jewels of ireland for at least 100 years I realize I just asked a very stupid question. It's like, is there a standardization and best practice worldwide for <laughs> handling jewel, you know, crown jewels? And I'm I'm looking back, it's like, no, everybody does their own thing because everybody has a very different setup and history that got them there. Yeah, but also you would think there would be standardization for something like this. <laughs> but I guess there's not. 
However, this jeweler took its job so seriously that they would like, when they would attend to cleaning the silver, like the silverware, they would count every piece to make sure like they count it when it left the castle, they count it when it returned to the castle to make sure that everything was there. Having worked at a jewelry store, you count every piece of jewelry every single day, whether it left the case or not. Right. So the jewelers take the job of guarding the jewels very seriously. Arthur Vickers, not so much. (laughs) He kind of hates it. But in the meantime, he tells like the city works department, basically, that we we need to build a safe room in Bedford Tower where my new office is going to be situated so the safe can go in the safe room. And they're like, cool. This sounds great. So they build the safe room. Unfortunately, they did not measure twice and cut once. The safe does not fit through the door to the safe room. I I know this pain. When we (laughs) bought a new refrigerator because ours died, we bought one too big for the space. And so if the guys had brought it into the house, we would not have been able to open the door. Yep. Yeah. So think exactly that. Um, But with a safe that's meant yeah. to hold the, the crown jewels and other valuable manuscripts of Ireland. And so I'm assuming same, same for importance, like a refrigerator for, you know, us poor mouths and a safe for the crown jewels. You know, th- this is on equal priority. Oh, crap levels. Right. Um. So they do the only thing that makes sense. They just put the safe in the library. You know, um, hey, it's good enough. Right. So I'm going to read part of um, Dan Nosowitz's article in relationship to this because it made me laugh so hard. Having already endured months of renovations and faced with the possibility of having to knock down walls to fit the stupid safe through the stupid doorway or having to go through tons of stupid red tape to get a stupid smaller safe that would have fit through the stupid doorway. (laughs) Vickers and the Board of Works decided enough was enough. They opted to place the safe in the library with a sentry outside. This would be just temporary until they figured out a solution to the doorway problem. Question. That that's the official quote. That that's that's um Dan Noswitz, the writer of the article on Atlas Obscura's quote. Okay, because like everything of I, I always get so happy when I read official quotes from people who clearly have had no media training. <laughs> Uh, me too yeah it's it's just like oh this is so amazing and this <laughs> I want would you never to stop, fly. but oh god <laughs> yeah like literally anybody who's had an iota of training in this regard is screaming and saying you can't say this you don't do this and it is so absolutely delightful right um i i had to read that verbatim when i read that i literally laughed out loud like the stupid door and the stupid safe. oh yeah because you know they're just they're just every day ends with a very stiff drink and mm-hmm. the, you have to wade through the swear words to get to that drink yep so then the next paragraph goes on to say so remember this is starts in 1901 that the rest renovations to Bradford Tower or excuse me Bedford Tower begin in 1905 okay you know okay before you even go any further like I'm just gonna say this checks because renovations any kind of construction work lasts longer than any contractor says they're going to by a long shot Uh and it's always twice as expensive as that quote says 
and four times as long, right? Yeah. So the next paragraph of the article goes on to say, in 1905, Vickers wrote some revised statutes for his office, which included stipulations that the jewels must be kept in a safe, which must be kept in a strong room. Vickers seems to have been extremely passionate about heraldry and sort of annoyed that he also had to guard the jewels, and he never got around to actually moving the safe from the library. To be fair, to be fair, thank you. There is a stupid safe and a stupid door and the stupid measure. Like there's a there's several layers. Stupid. And I don't blame him. Neither do I, but Okay, we're um, about to blame him is what I'm hearing. It's anyway. <laughs> oh crap. So um, I just real quick because I didn't tell you this beforehand intentionally jewels, or did you forget? No, I completely forgot. The jewels that they used to make these Irish crown jewels, which by the way got the name crown jewels from a newspaper article after the theft of them. So they weren't called the Irish crown jewels until 1907 when they were stolen. What were they called before then? They were just the jewels of the illustrious order of St. Patrick, but like they didn't really have a name. I mean, that kind of doesn't flow as easy as Irish crown jewels, right? Yeah. Um, so that particular set of jewels formally belonged to Queen Charlotte, our favorite queen of England, at least in my opinion. Thank you, Bridgerton. Okay, but okay, queen hold, hold up. Who is Queen Charlotte married to? Because I feel like she was a queen consort. She was. Um, King George. The man that was involved in that little skirmish called the American War of Independence. Okay. The revolution. Okay. Um, so she... I'm trying to find my... I don't know what happened to my exact note about this, but long story short, her son decides that the illustrious order of St. Patrick needs to have some jewels. So he goes into mom's collection at the course. He's now sitting the throne. So it's okay. So mom is mom still alive. Is she the, um, king, you the know, queen I'm, mom? I'm not sure if she's still alive at this point, but she all seems to be okay with this happening. And he offers up some of her jewels to create these badge and star and collar. That's that's very different than me thinking of kid pilfering through or rifling through my jewelry box being like, <laughs> I'm going to give these to my friends and we're going to form a club. Yeah, I don't think it happened exactly like that, but it is fun to note, at least it was for me to realize that the Irish crown jewels formerly belonged to Queen Charlotte. I thought that was like really cool because she's she's such an interesting lady already. Mm. Um. And and then to make the connection because they didn't previously make the connection before that it was her husband that lost the U.S. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. <laughs> so um, the months of May to August, roughly May to July, more specifically, are really important months this year of 1907. Um, King Edward the Third is really needing a great summer. He, His nephew, King Edward VII, needs the summer to go super duper smooth. 
There have been some royal scandals in Europe recently. Um, his nephew, Kaiser Wilhelm II of Prussia, had kind of a big one. Okay, who- so Wil- Wilhelm I is the one who mediated the pig war. So his son, <laughs> which incidentally is also the great-great-grandson of Augustus, who was the brother of my homie Frederick II of Prussia, the uh, great potato king. <laughs> Wait, okay, hold on. Because I say that, and I don't know if that timeline makes sense, because the pig war was in 1838, 1840, 1848. Um, well, I mean, it's 1907, so 50 years. Okay, this checks. Okay, I'm, I'm with you now. I, I thought we, okay. So, so we're good? Yeah, we're good. My, my, I'm tracking now. <laughs> okay. So King Edward is looking at this scandal of Kaiser Wilhelm, his nephew, and he's like, okay, England is not looking so... Um, so hot in the Irish eyes right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're less than 15 years from the War of Independence for Ireland. So already, like, there's some some boiling of tension, some uneasiness, if you will. So the summer of 1907 is supposed to be this, like, English-Irish exhibition of culture. So <laughs> in July... King Edward is scheduled to come to Ireland and take part in an investiture ceremony wearing these jewels. Okay. Okay. This is so stupid. (laughs) June 28th, Vickers shows up to, to Bedford Tower as he normally does. Only once he gets there, he realizes he has left his keys at home, which is very out of the ordinary for Vickers. He was like, despite the fact that he didn't want to guard these jewels, he was very sticklery about knowing where the keys are. Like, he kept both of the keys to the safe itself, one on his person and one at home. He was the only one that had keys to the safe. Um, And he was very, like, detail-oriented, so for him to forget his keys was a little bit off, but it is worth noting. He forgot his keys, the sentry at the door just lets him in because he's Mr. Vickers. He's the king right. of Mr. Arms. Like, why wouldn't I just let him in? So July 3rd rolls around and Mrs. Farrell, the cleaning lady, finds the front door to the tower unlocked. She tells Mr. Vickers. Mr. Vickers does nothing. And again, this seems unusual because he is a staunch, like, rule-following you lock the I'm, door behind you. You keep the thermostat at this level. I am dad. I have spoken. <laughs> exactly. Um, but again, it just kind of gets brushed under the rug. Okay, fine. Whatever. July 6th, Miss Farrell finds the outer door to the strong room unlocked. The inner door was still locked, but it had the key in it, which I guess was oh. common if people were in the office. Like the inner door to the, the so, so the strong room held like manuscripts and other valuables. Okay. But not, so, but the, not the safe with the, with crown jewels in it. Cause that's so, still in the library, right? Or did that finally make it? <laughs> no, okay. It's still in the library. So she tells Stivey, who Stivey? is like, Stivey is Mr. Vickers. Um, in one source, he's called his assistant. In another source, he's called the sentry. So I think he'd served a little bit of both. They both had junk drawer roles. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Stivey gives a good look about the room. And and to quote, he finds nothing amiss. Uh, look over here. Look over here. Uh, you know what? 
I'm going to go have a smoke break. It's fine. Right. Um, the best part about knowing this is, so he looks over the strong room and finds nothing amiss. The library that the safe was in had several entrances. And when the sentry was there, he couldn't always see the safe to begin with. So I think that's worth noting. It seems kind of silly to put a sentry there and not place him right on top of the safe if that's what he's supposed to be guarding in the first place. This room is suddenly bigger than just a small waiting room. Very silly. Um, later on the 6th of July, a messenger from Weston Sun, the jeweler, shows up to give them back a collar that they were that was being repaired or altered for this upcoming investiture yep. ceremony. Because mind you now, this is four days before the king is supposed to arrive. So the jewels are officially in state at Dublin Castle. Like they've been there a few, at least a few weeks by now. Okay. Just waiting for the arrival of the king. So the jeweler brings this collar. Vickers is like super deep into his genealogical work. So he hands the collar to Stivey to go place it in the safe. Stivey whistles his way down the hallway, do-do-do-do-do, makes it to the safe. The door's wide open. No. Oh, He okay. puts his key in, and he turns it, and the door doesn't open. So he turns it the other way, and it opens, and the realization hits him. The safe was unlocked to begin with when I got here. Oh. So oh. he panics. <laughs> He runs back to Mr. Vickers. Mr. Vickers comes and they determine, oh, crap, everything's gone. The jewels are all gone. What do we do? Here's where it gets a little bit questionable because it wasn't questionable to begin with. I mean, yeah, questions abound. Yeah. One source says he immediately calls the police, which, by the way, serve in the same building. Like the the Metropolitan Dublin Police, their headquarters is Dublin Castle. They're, they're just down the hall. Bill? Bill? Pretty much. Yeah. Hey, um, I, I know you heard me screaming, but uh, yeah, glad you could come up the hall. Uh, <laughs> hey, small small problem. If you, if you see any lurkers, any loiterers? You have a... Oh no! A group of high school kids running around, just kind of well, mucking about. Because like, well, anyway, no, no. Okay, not through the reports. Okay, do we have any anything labeled sketch? Go through the tag <laughs> sketch. Any... Sprepsis. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Dublin Castle is considered to be one of the like most impregnable, impregnable, highly observed buildings in all of Ireland. First off, I love the word impregnable. Because I know what it means, but it's like unable to get pregnant. That's what it always like. That's always my first go to. And I'm just like imagining the castle with a little bump now. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, well, she this castle forgot its chastity belt. It was not. (laughs) It was pregnantable for that little bit. The moat was down. The bridge was down because the moat's just the 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 little ring of water. the, The bridge. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that. Well, the moat just the water level, right? Like the moat is. Well, the it's pond. the moat's the water around it. Yeah. The the portcullis, you know. The yeah, little... I think portcullis is more like that was what was down okay. or up in this case. Anyway, portcullis, pants, same, same, pregnant, same, same. Yeah. Um. So like, there's constantly police presence. There's constantly military presence. So, whoever decides to just like, chasse, into the vicar's library and steal his jewels has so much bravado it's, or, it's an inside job 
totally knows what's going on. Right. Okay. So we'll get there. So eventually the police do get involved and um, the king finds out and the king is livid. Cause you because you know the king's like, okay, just uh, I sent over my my uh, event coordinator, and he's mm-hmm. just going to go through the list. Uh, do you have plates, dishes? Uh, has the pork arrived? Okay. Uh, next, we're going to talk about uh, you know clothing. Okay, and jewel jewels. Look, I just need to check everybody. Nod your head, yes, no. I got it. Okay, exactly. Uh, quit quit sidestepping the question. Are the <laughs> jewels here? No. Yeah. Okay. Do I need to go to yeah. the jeweler? Why are you crying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So he is furious because like I said, he needs these months of exhibition between Ireland and, and England to go like butter, right? He needs it smooth. He needs no scandal. He needs no problems. He's already like, uh, crap. We're having a hell of a year. My nephew's just been through this major scandal in Prussia. Half of his cabinets like resigned. Like, what do we do? So the Dublin police begin an investigation. They get nowhere very quick. So the big guns get called in from Scotland Yard. Are they also in Dublin Castle? I feel like they're probably in the the, the West Tower. Uh, no, Scotland Yard is in London. <laughs> You're right, as opposed to Ireland. Because that's not confusing at all. At all, right? None of this is confusing at all. So at this point... The Scotland Yard's been called in. A reward of $1,000 has been put out, which today equals 140000 Thank you. That was going, you saw my brain going. Mm-hmm. I needed that calculation. As do I. I thoroughly appreciate it. Oh, I forgot to mention the jewels today were worth around $4 million. I think if they showed up in one piece, you could write your own check for that. I agree with you. I have a <laughs> feeling that the word priceless. Yeah. Um, so Inspector John Kane shows up from Scotland Yard and he completes his investigation. He turns his report in. Um, Kane himself was Irish and he believed the job to be an inside job. However, his- hey, hey, these are my people. I'm Irish. We're we're in. I don't know if you've known this. We're in Ireland. This <laughs> super sketchy. <laughs> I smell this. It smells like the blood of my countrymen. Exactly. Um, but his report was, quote, roundly rejected. And he is sent packing back to London. That means they don't want it to be one of us. They, this this trauma goes all, trauma, drama, both, goes both. all the way to the top. For the last 700 years. So, some believe he learned way too much, and the newspapers called it an obvious indication of a cover-up. I mean, it could just be bigotry. Could be. Um, at this point, there is now leads coming in left and right from from people that have ideas and clues as to where these jewels are. Everybody's a- calling in their ex-boyfriend and husband. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, a woman sends Mr. Vickers a letter saying that her daughter has had a vision. Oh, we're at that level of investigation. Okay. Yes. And Mr. Vickers thinks this is odd. Like, he he he's not about this behavior, but he is also desperate because, like, his job's on the line, right? <laughs> um, so he calls his friends. Are you ready for this? I, I mean... Shackleton. Does the name Shackleton ring a bell to you? I don't know why it does. 
Francis Shackleton is Ernest Shackleton's younger brother. Ernest Shackleton, the captain of the Endurance, the great Antarctic explorer. No, yeah, no, didn't didn't ring a bell. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I should know this, but nope, no bells were rung. It literally, like, my brain exploded realizing that they lived at the exact same time as this event. Francis Shackleton is a bit of a rake, if you will, a cat about town. He okay. um, So he's got the wig, he's got the fake mole. The whole thing, um, he thoroughly enjoys his upper echelon aristocratic life. Um, Mr. Vickers is very wealthy and is a good friend of Shackleton and pays half his bills for him. I need friends like that. Right? Um, when Shackleton is in Ireland, he lives at Vickers' house. Wait, confirm. Okay, hold on. I want to confirm everything that I have just heard. Um, <laughs> he He's a... He's a bit of a dandy. Bit and... of a dandy, yeah. And very charming at that. Okay. And this guy is the main character of the story, Senor Bookworm. He he also is paying half of the dandy's bills. Half the dandy's bills. And like, seems by all accounts, they're very good friends uh, okay. to this point. So they are closeted lovers. Well, I would say that, except for Shackleton has a boyfriend. Are you ready for this name? Because I about died. I feel like I just stumbled onto something fantastical. Richard Gorgeous. By birth or by... I don't know. (laughs) I feel like I ask you that every episode. It's like, did this guy just assume his own mantle or did did he, was he born to the Gorgeous family? He was born to the gorgeous family, but the fact that somebody gave him the first name of Richard just slays me. Creme de la creme. Chef's kiss. So, Richard. Wait, wait. So, gorgeous. Hold on. Dude has a boyfriend and has another dude paying his bills. Yeah, I guess that's life in in upper echelon um, Victorian England, I guess. Um, Where do I submit my application? I have great husband and could use another dude to pay bills. I think you need to go back like a hundred years. I think we're screwed to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Hmm. But gorgeous is not particularly well liked he is a ruffian uh, a scoundrel look god doesn't give with both hands you can be gorgeous you can be dick gorgeous but you (laughs) cannot be nice (laughs) um he is very violent he served um multiple different tours in the in the british army um he fought in the boer wars really not your go-to guy for like babysitting your puppy you know like you know there's some people you trust to have a beer with there's other people you trust your puppy with very rarely is it both exactly have a beer with him don't give him your puppy or at the very least have him on your side when you have a beer in a bar fight because he's gonna win so earn um so francis and him are an item I'm not so sure about his living situation. I just know that when Shackleton is in Ireland, he lives at the Vicar- at Mr. Vickers' house. And then he goes back to England and he lives among the upper echelon of English society as well. He might be staying at his brother's house. I don't know. But anyway, so Vickers calls Shackleton and he's like, listen, 
this woman has said that her daughter has had a vision and um, I'm not so cool like optics and everything with going out to listen to a psychic. So do you think you could, do you think you could arrange this meeting so that um, I'm kind of not seen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he arranges a seance and a, a meeting with this, this girl who says that they are buried in a cemetery in a little town just outside of Dublin. Not too far away. Not too far away, and that's pretty much it. Um, There are two towns that are just outside of Dublin with two cemeteries. So Vickers himself goes and digs them up. Okay, we got a 50-50. Yeah, he doesn't find anything. But I'm assuming he dug maybe one hole, and there's probably lots of holes that could have been dug. I'm not sure how much of either cemetery he dug up, but I know he dug up enough of both to decide that he wasn't finding the jewels there. So it could be goes, a lot, could be a little. I mean, there's yeah. there's a, a range of... Um... He does not have a metal detector. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, interesting that I would say metal detector because one of the things that was left behind when the jewels were stolen was a ribbon that held, like, the badge in place. But the ribbon had to be unscrewed from the badge itself to remove it. Like, it wasn't just yanked off. So, so somebody whoever... took some time. Exactly. So, um, you know, theories start to start to swirl. Biggers like claims his innocent, he is innocence to his dying day. He demands a trial, like a public trial, but the powers that be are like, nope, not going to be a public trial. We don't need the scandal to get any more out of control than it already is. Like we're trying to put a cap on this. King doesn't need any more problems. And Vickers is like, no, 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 I need a public trial so I can call my own witnesses and present evidence. And they're like, no, you can't do that. But what they do do is give him a private trial, which is basically a sham and he doesn't show up. So the government's like, we'll pay your pension, but you're fired. Like you're out. You can't derelict of duties that you set up for yourself by saying the safe needed to be stored in the strong room. And then you didn't store it in the strong room. So basically forced retirement with pay this i mean kind of a bummer you lost your role and you'll need to find (laughs) you know something to carry your time with but i don't feel too bad for him neither do i but he does not take the pension because he thinks it's just hush money stupid man stupid man forced into retirement but it's fine because he lives out the rest of his days at his half brother's beautiful estate in the irish countryside Unfortunately for him, in 1921, the um, founding, the like the beginnings of the IRA came and shot him, <laughs> believing that he was serving as a British spy and the North remembers and all that. Mm. Yeah. So there are a handful of other players involved, all of which were given honorary titles by Vickers. Um, Francis Shackleton was one of them. Gorgeous was Shackleton's boyfriend. Um, his that was nephew. his title. Listen, gorgeous. <laughs> you get the title of boyfriend and you're going to like it because this isn't something we do much during this time period. Oh, it's super not smiled upon, especially in Ireland. So they relied solely on Francis's charm. Like he w- they were allowed to be however they were going to be as long as Francis Shackleton stayed in the good graces of everybody. Because it was out, it was illegal in Ireland. Yep. And like super frowned upon. So Vickers has a nephew. Are you ready for this name? 
I, I mean, we've already had Dick Gorgeous. Right? Well, how about Pierce Gun Mahoney? So all of you who are pregnant right now and are looking for baby <laughs> names, just replay this episode because we've had some zingers. Dick Gorgeous and Pierce Gun Mahoney. I mean, um, Gorgeous could be a middle name. Right? You could right. be Richard Gorgeous, Gorgeous Smith. You absolutely could. Pierce is so loyal to Vickers. Um, he comes from, he's his nephew and he comes from a very wealthy family and he is just happy to have a title and a job. Now, wait Even a if it's job duties are nothing. I recognize he's a man. So we typically refer to him by his last name when we're telling stories and how they're written about him. But with a first name like that, can you just go back and say the name Pierce, of one more? Pierce Gun Mahoney. <laughs> oh, Pierce is his first name. So Gun Pierce is his first name. Gun is his middle name. Mahoney is his last name. That is a solid, solid set. Right. And he is, like I said, fiercely loyal to Vickers. At one point, he goes to lunch with like a journalist and he is trying to clear Vickers' name. And he tells him like, hey, you know, um, my uncle did great work for everybody. And, you know, sometimes like like here here's a great example um sometimes after work you know he'd throw these little shindigs at the castle and one time he was he's kind of a light drinker and he passed out and our friend lord haddo takes the keys to the safe goes and steals the jewels and mails them back via the post like a week later so stuff like this happens all the time (laughs) so lord haddo happens to be the son of the viceroy of ireland nobody has media trading none and lord haddo is like a prankster and he is just looking for a good time and he's the son of the viceroy the most powerful person in ireland so like what does he care right like whatever um so there's some some belief that vickers didn't immediately call the police hoping they were just going to show back up because it's happened before We'll get a manila envelope. I mean, <laughs> they're gonna the, everything's gonna be tangled, but give me an hour. <laughs> I can untangle it. Some strong coffee. I'll sit down. I'll sort it. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. We're gonna be fine. Needless to say, this does not help Vickers' optics, and he is absolute a mockery of town, right? Like Pierce is trying his best, or Mahoney is trying his best, and it is just not going well. He also, in his inner circle, is a man named Francis Bennett Goldeneye? G-O-L-D-N-E-Y? Goldeneye. We're going with Goldeneye from here on out. I mean... Yeah. Who is an antiquities scholar, if you will. And um, Vickers thought he was a bit abrasive, wasn't overly fond of him. He met him at, like, an antiques... For lack of a better word, I'm going to call it a seminar. Yeah, like an antiques roadshow. (laughs) And he kind of invited him into his inner circle because the information that Goldeneye had would help Vickers with his genealogical and heraldic research. That's, you know, this checks. Um, Yeah. However, Goldeneye basically just like out front asks him for a a position in the title within in the office. And Vickers is kind of taken aback because usually you don't just ask for these roles. They're given to you. I mean... That's the difference between, I think, English and Americans. Right. You know, like Um, the British are like, 
I've known your family for years. You would be of great service if you could step into this role. Meanwhile, us Americans are like, hey, bruh. <laughs> Listen here, bud. I got an Hey, idea. look, I, I don't know if you've seen my resume. I'd kill it in this role. Right. And that's that's pretty much what he did. And so Vickers was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, you can you can be part of my inner circle. And he lets him in. Within three months of Vic, of Goldeneye being there, the jewels go missing. So he's only he started maybe May of 1907. No one knows what happened to these jewels. Every one of these men met a less than ideal end at some point. Like none of them just died happy of old age. So there's some that believe, you know, karma follows you around. You guys were all clearly involved in the theft of these jewels. It is karma's gonna eat you alive now, right? Um so there's a handful of theories as to what happened but before i ask you yours i should tell you that after golden died it comes to light that he is a thief a scoundrel and a rogue also he was the mayor of canterbury at some point but that's besides the point i mean i feel like I feel like the main character, Vickers, I don't think that he did it. I think he is a victim of circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he clearly designed this whole thing that he's suffering from. But, you know, I, I think that he's... He was the architect of his own downfall. Yeah, but, you yeah. know, he, he didn't necessarily steal them himself. He just set up the plants. Um, I mean, Goldeneye's a great opportunity, but I feel like you just also mentioned him last, but... Because he was not, um, he showed up last. He was the last to the party. Right. I mean, before they were stolen. That said, history is going to paint him just as, you know, the, the most likely. Now, interesting enough, um, the Do Go On podcast notes, and I, I think this is worth pointing out. He was the only one in the group without an alibi. Alibis can be fabricated because you've got guys like Dick Gorgeous running around here starting bar fights just to help enable alibis. Right. Um, which I honestly, in my opinion, um, because I've been mulling this story over in my mind since 2019, um, I think Vickers is a victim of his own, like I said, the architect of his own downfall. Um, I think Pierce Mahoy, Mahoney was also innocent. I don't think he had anything to do with any of it because he just seems so young and naive and not like anybody would let him in on the information. Yeah, I mean, you don't tell Loudmouth who doesn't keep his mouth shut after he signed an NDA. Right. Um, I do think the other three were involved. Whether There's a lot of people that, because on Vickers, his like the last line of his will and testament is outright pointing the blame at Francis Shackleton. Like he did this. But I mean, to be fair, I don't know if I would trust him and his like his will. I mean, I get that, you know, you're going to, but you can be wrong on your deathbed. Oh, you absolutely can. But I Francis plan on Shackleton... being wrong on my deathbed. <laughs> Francis Shackleton wasn't known for being the best with money. I mean, he did require most... somebody else to pay half his bills. So, you know, right. I'm following. Right. Or the the best with um, decisions. 
so I, I, in my opinion, I believe that if he wasn't the one that did it, he was definitely involved. Like maybe he's the one that got the inner key to the safe. Um, he could have been a patsy. He could have been a patsy. I genuinely think it was Dick Gorgeous. And this is why he was a military man. He would have been seen at Dublin Castle and just glazed over. No one would have even noticed him. Right. But didn't he have an alibi? Uh, Kind of. <laughs> but none of them. So in the investigation, none of their alibis were actually interviewed. Oh, okay. It's one of those investigations. Okay. Yeah. Because the Crown wanted this kiboshed yesterday. Like, put a lid on this. We don't need another scandal. Because part of the problem with even mentioning this to the newspapers is Francis Shackleton's sexuality. All right, this this checks. Right? Kaiser Wilhelm's scandal was a huge sex scandal. And, like, Europe is still reeling from this. So the King of England is like, yeah, no, not, not in my house. We can't, I can't go through this. We just did this like 10 minutes ago. Not going to do it again. So there's belief that the government just kiboshed it and let everybody get away with doing it because we can't, we can't let this get out to the media that there's potentially a homosexual involved in this. Dick Gorgeous, the jewel thief. (laughs) Right? Um, I think Dick Gorgeous was definitely involved. I also think that given the time and the tensions within Ireland, it probably was a nationalist. Like, I think there was a handful of people involved and that whoever actually removed the jewels, we're never going to know the name of them. You know, I think the more people who know about it, the less likely it is to stay secret. I do agree with that. Um, I But I also think that in this case they did it for to make a statement like they weren't just trying to take jewels for the money they were trying to take the jewels for a statement and i say that because of the amount of times that mrs farrell reported a door was left open and nothing happened like it seems like um a couple of the uh, sources i have believe that the thieves actually came back like multiple times to be like hey have you checked yet hey have you checked yet (laughs) like yikes Yeah, so the day that the caller returns from the jewelers and they go to put it back in the safe was the first time they opened the safe in how many weeks? Which makes me think this was a, a, what what is the word? Like a (sighs) interpretive dance. That's not the right word. It Uh, should be. It should be. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, That it was definitely done on purpose, definitely done to... um, discredit the crown to discredit the government in ireland and to make a show to be a showpiece mm. dick gorgeous was definitely involved in my opinion that's I mean, all i'm saying with a name like that <laughs> how could he not be involved i'm just saying so, so there you have it there's there's my story and okay thank you, Dan, i also to <laughs> just hit hit it out of the park with his article on atlas obscura <laughs> I absolutely love that. Absolutely love that. I love that I've never heard it. And I just imagine Dick Cor- Gorgeous pulling a Doris Payne and sitting in the, like I'm imagining a hotel bathroom and he's just taking toenail clippers and pulling apart the crown jewels. Okay. So when I asked Ian about this, 
because he always has something really snappy to say in missing treasure like he always has like well in his mind how you would handle it yeah and i'm like okay so what would you do if like your your mate shows up and he has got the irish crown jewels like and you need to hide them like are you going to keep them together and he's like no you take them apart you have to Right. And, and like, I not was like, all of the pieces are equally as valuable because you got like that blue enamel background. It's pretty, but that's not the expensive part. Right. It's the 394 other jewels that are on there. Right. And is that blue enamel is going to get you caught. So you flake that off. Right. So I'm thinking uh, to me, it. I told Ian, like it hit me like, like um, a Mack truck yesterday. I looked at him and said, you know, if this was the Irish resistance were involved in any of this at all, that could have funded them for decades to be able to like slough those diamonds off and sell them anywhere in Europe easily. Yeah. Hmm. I'm here for it. I like, I like the statement piece of obviously taking the thing that is such an indicator of English rule in Ireland and being like, meh, we're just going to fund a revolution with this. <laughs> it so would have been I, even cooler if they won like if we had stolen the crown jewels and won and our president were the crown now is that treason can they say that yeah i mean we really don't have any solid vestiges like that but that's yeah no i really want to see a president and a crown now i don't i guess that's why they're not called kings though I feel like we get a lot of political cartoons that sh- that show just that. And that's yeah. that's frightening when it happens. Yeah, I'm going to let you have that one. I mean, having having succeeded in stealing the English crown jewels would have been quite um, quite the event for our mm. founding fathers. <laughs> I mean, but there wasn't a, gi- a giant ocean between that. So, I mean, it would have required a bit more shenanigans. Mm. Like, we, we would have needed several Dick Gorgeouses. I think we had several Dick Gorgeouses. I think really all it took was a Lafayette. We would have been fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. I. So yeah, that's my, that's my favorite. That's my favorite story. I, the amount of just in attention to detail, um, the fact that he set up his own downfall by insisting that the safe be put in the safe room and then not putting it in the safe room for six years. <laughs> I mean, everything about that is like, look, I read one article on best practices and we're going to do it. And then it's like, it's going to be hard. Okay, fine. You know what? It's fine. In the library. You know what? That's fine. Just, just leave it in the kitchen. We'll, you will store the extra eggs in it. It's fine. I don't care. We'll give the cooks I... the keys to the safe because they obviously need to get eggs. Like, this is fine. Yes. Okay. So I forgot to, I forgot to mention this because it's kind of um, not the biggest part of the thing, but there are several sets of keys um, to the outer door, to Bedford tower, to the safe room, and then the two keys to the safe itself or to the strong room. And then the two keys to the safe itself. This checks. I mean, it is a castle. There's going to be lots of keys. Right. So the key, both the keys to the safe room, I did mention this, um, Vickers had in his possession. But who's to say he locked the door? Well, and who's to say that when Lord Haddo had his night of stealing the jewels himself, he didn't have a key made? I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, keys don't stay. I mean, <laughs> you can you can engrave do not duplicate on the back of it, but... And it's going to be duplicated. Yeah. And additionally, 
Um, one of the main reasons that Shackleton was so implicated in this is because he did live at Vickers' house when he was in Ireland. The other safe key was kept in Vickers' in desk drawer. Yeah. And Shackleton to, yeah. knew. Run that down to Home Depot and be like, I just need it. You know what? It's fine. I know it says don't duplicate, but I promise you, look, it's me, right? It's me. Right. Do you see me? Like, do you right. think just duplicate the key? I just need this done. Right. This wig doesn't talk to minimum wage workers for very long. Just get it done. Exactly. So I think that I think Shackleton was involved to some degree, whether it was just the key or he played the patsy. I think Dick Gorgeous was definitely involved, but I honestly think that it was more of a statement piece from the resistance. Um I'm not sure how I how either of them would have gotten involved. They seem to have both been loyal to the crown, but who knows? Money talks. So mm. <laughs> yeah. I Same love thing. it. I realize we've been going for a while. We should probably um let people know where they can find us and then um let them have the rest of their day back. <laughs> okay. Okay, so on that note, um, if you're looking for us, you want to get a hold of us, um, you want to, you know, add any corrections because maybe he never went by Dick Gorgeous and you know this because you have his personal diary and you can provide the alibi. We're here for it. I would love to read his personal diary. (laughs) You could send us all of this or something completely different at unhinged.historypod at gmail.com. And if you're listening, you know, smack that subscribe button, uh, click like. And leave us a review. Let us know what you think and that your crazy plays well with our crazy because that's what we're here for. (laughs) So on that note. You made me snort. If we make you snort, let us know at. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So have a great day. Goodbye. Bye.